Welcome to the podcast. I'm Neil Curry with Target Recruit. In this series, we're going to be talking to industry leaders in the recruitment space around their successes, their challenges, what's worked, what's not worked for them. And we hope that you're going to be able to take something away for yourself and your business and you enjoy the conversation. So for the man who doesn't need an introduction, for those people who have been living under a rock, briefly, tell us who you are. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Uh, really joyful to be here. Um, hopefully I do us proud. Come on the RDRC. So um, I'm a recruitment lifer. Started when I was 21. By the time I was 23, I was managing 30 people across three different regions and also being the top biller. But, you know, who's counting? Um, my last job in recruitment was working for S3 where I headed up their contract business. Uh, I've done pretty well out of the business, but my most proud number of all the numbers is the fact that the day we floated, I personally made 27 millionaires. From that mothership was spawned about 80 other businesses who've all gone on to do amazing things, which we're really proud of. I think we really shifted the dynamic and the way business is done in recruitment. Um, very, very proud to be salespeople and slightly aggressive with a small A. So we actually got things done. And clients, they were almost at a moment in time at S3 where it was always about, um, they don't like us, but they can do without us, which is the perfect situation. And since then, I've, um, I took my 40s off, um, tried to keep out the newspapers, and then went on really badly, and then went on to do some advisory work. And now I'm the founder of RDLC, which I will probably say I'm most proud of. So you keep them busy? But, um, we are well, the 40s. Yeah, well, funny enough, I, I, I was talking with Dean about it. We're probably busier now than we've ever been in our lives. Yeah. So um, praise the Lord, we're in uh, continuous periods of change and evolution. And every time there is change going on, you get winners and losers. Yeah. So uh, as long as people have got their uh, running shoes on and sprint every day, there's a chance of people to make zillions. Viva the boom. And you think that's still possible in in this world i don't like your doubting voice so so we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna start there um 100 so um we talk about uh, economics recruitment economics now it doesn't really matter what's going on in the world the recruitment sector is in a bubble right now and when you hear all the narrative that comes out of cabinet office so i'm i'm a little bit glued to the screen on a sunday morning mm -hmm. listening to what they're all saying mm -hmm. And the rhetoric is all around uh, job creation, uh, creating jobs. We're going to work our way through this. Mm -hmm. So there's jobs being made, there's jobs everywhere. There's, there's skill shortages up and down the country, pretty much in every sector. The sentiment from our customers is staff, 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 staff. Mm -hmm. In some areas, they're trying to use tech over talent, which I kind of get, mm -hmm. and, and look mm -hmm. at efficiencies. But if... I, I can look at it from the dashboards of 300 businesses through the RDLC. Mm -hmm. It's BAU, um, business as usual for non-RDLC members, boom as usual for uh, RDLC members. We're having it away. But there are winners and losers, massively, and you have to be very agile right now. Okay. So let's come back to the winners and losers bit in a moment. So we're peppered online through the news, newspapers around recession coming and it's around the corner in 2023, even though you know last week's news was it didn't actually happen. What, what do you think is gonna come in 23? What's your, what's your vision for, 
recruitment industry in 2023? I think it's, uh, it's going to be brilliant. Right? There are some businesses who are run by owner managers, the major breadwinner in that organization, mm. who has got a limited number of customers that they use repeatedly, who use them repeatedly. And occasionally they can lose one or two accounts really, really quickly, and then that business folds. Mm -hmm. It's not a business, it's a fiefdom. It's one individual person with some resources around. They try to get to 10, fail, go back to ones and twos and threes and start over again. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a hard life. I nearly broke into song then. It's a hard, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I won't do that. However, if businesses are being really innovative, they, they're taking that journey from being what was a once a recruitment agency, bums mm -hmm. on seats, ones and twos, thank you very much, darling, get CV, spec it out, and see whatever comes back in. Because the days of that are, well, I would say they're over. A lot of people will argue that they're still doing okay from it. Okay in the middle of a boom is not okay. Mm -hmm. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. And if you're just living on what you've done over recent years and thinking, this is a moment in time, you're deluded and, and committing economic business suicide. Okay. So the drive is all towards becoming a modern day talent solutions provider. That's having the opportunity. Best to put it this way. Organizations are created out in, in the, the joyful world. You have a founder comes up with a whizzy idea about a new business. He then appoints his C-suite. So these are the guys who are actually going to make his dream a reality. The C-suite then get their heads off. So these are the principles of finance, marketing, tech, R&D, whatever it might be. They then have their hiring managers, so the pod leaders of, of all of those, those teams. Then they go, if they need to hire, they get approvals, they go to recruitment, then go to TA, then they go to recruitment agencies who are bottom of that food chain. A modern day talent solution provider has the ear of that C-suite to make decisions and help them with their decision-making to deliver outcomes. Mm -hmm. So total solutions, total projects, taking, pro taking the problem away or the challenge that is talent away. Mm -hmm. And you do that with loads of brilliant data, great marketing, brilliant automation, the right people were doing the right job to give you credibility to get into that room. And the natural, the natural place for recruitment business leaders now to swim should be in the boardroom dancing, making friends, taking that whole business. And the best thing about that is you get paid to do consultancy to make your clients aware that they should be working with you exclusively. So win, 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 win. Yeah. So that total talent solution, for those people who are listening and they get it, but they don't know where to start to achieve that. Oh, it's really easy. So you pick up the phone and you join the RDLC. <laughs> or you could leave it there. Um, but um, I'm very giving on places like LinkedIn. I'll tell everyone everything mm -hmm. because there's a massive gap between telling them how to do it and then letting and helping people actually do it. Mm -hmm. So this is almost like a tease, to be fair. It starts with data. So acquiring the right data of organizations at the right time who are going through one of the four periods of change. Now, there used to be three, there are four. Yeah. So, and these are very definitive. There are four reasons for, for organizations going through change. So it will be a business that's trying to make more money. So trying to make an extra million. Mm -hmm. So that's looking at competitive advantage, first mover, becoming very lean and agile in terms of what they do. 
there are organizations trying to make uh, save millions. Mm -hmm. So that's all to do with business efficiencies, tech over talent, and reducing op cost. Mm -hmm. Then you've got compliance. Boring as it is, but in the city you have MIFID, and there's always something that's coming out and an organization has to go through change. And the only gift that COVID left behind was the fact that businesses are pivoting. So going through rapid change. So it could be so much as it's a great opportunity for tech business, certainly around cyber security, because now more people are working remotely. During that period of time, two years ago, whilst that was happening, massive, massive, massive uh, requirement for cyber security, chasing data, especially if it's privileged and, and highly sensitive data that is outside of the, the normal ring fencing, mm -hmm. pen testers. Mm -hmm. So there's always opportunity there. So we want to find organizations who are going through one of those periods of change and or businesses who are recently taking funding. So there okay. is a great way, it, and this is all in the public domain, and you can, you can use a whole host of tools to find organizations that are taking Series B is better than Series A. Series A, they're still very flaky, but Series B money, if an organization is taking on finance, they're typically looking for three things that recruitment can help. They're looking at tech people to build products or to fix a solution or to create an infrastructure. They're looking for salespeople to grow that business and take product to market, or they're looking for some key hires. Strategic people, business critical, we can help with all of that. Mm -hmm. So we can align and find those organizations who are recently funded and are swan in, like with David Essex. Mm -hmm. That's only gonna resonate with very few people, <laughs> potentially not even you. <laughs> Um, if we can then walk in front of those customers to tell them what we can do, how we can do it, and align with some of their needs, then we are absolutely strategically and perfectly placed to actually advise them and do something different. Mm -hmm. In that way, we get all the business, not some of it. So that starts with data. Then it starts with your killer message. So what we're going to say to businesses that, are, that we are deliberately different, what is the most compelling thing that we can say that get people to call us? Um, I will use an example I use with people, but please forgive me because I'm not sure this is public worthy, but I use it with some of my friends. If you drop a message bomb, it's very different from dropping a message. So how does your message become so compelling that it merits somebody thinking of changing their supply chain? Which is a bit of a ball lake. I mean, everyone's busy. Everyone's going at 100 miles an hour. Why bother? Saving money is a great one, but how do you actually create that narrative? So working it as a team, I, I, I would, some people phone up and say, um, I'm, I'm leaving a message because it ticks a box on my KPI numbers. It gives my boss off my back, but I wouldn't call me because we're pretty shit. Mm -hmm. like, that's not a great call. Mm -hmm. The other end of it is if you don't call me in 20 minutes, um, I've got your children, call me. Right? I'm probably towards that end of the spectrum, but don't have to go quite that far. But that's where you need to, to, to judge it. How compelling is that message? So you get really strong messages. Um, then you create content around that message. So what does your content look like? How are you gonna create the content? Who's gonna govern the content? Who's gonna create the content? How are you gonna get that all together? Are you gonna use push tools to get that to market? Are you gonna use landing pages? How many times are you gonna push that message? What else are you gonna do? How does that link to your LinkedIn profile? Everything needs to be totally aligned, and then you need people in the business to manage that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's quite easy, the right data, the right message, the right content, 
and somebody to manage that process. And that's the vehicle that you should use to either open up a new division, a new territory, a new country. It, professional carp fishing, fishermen go out at five o'clock in the morning and they ground bait. They make sure that that part of the, the, the river is warmed up as possible with this, this hooky piece of bait that they've been brewing in their bottom shed, I mean the randoms. But they make sure there's a decent chance for whoever lands their fish in is going to catch some fish. Mm -hmm too often we just say to someone you're a brilliant recruiter go and Let's do go this and new market good luck but that's the first three months gone the person's just gutted frustrated we're then thinking this is costing us a fortune he's not as good as we thought he is and actually when that person is culled or leaves yeah. how much better is that patch that he's left behind we could have done that and that the next person in, in the next three months is probably going to be really successful because he's done all the hard work yeah why yeah. didn't we do it first? Yeah, so yeah. this is a really easy way to do that, which means we become borderless. So why work in the UK when you can work where the cash is? Yeah. And where's the cash? Over the pond. Okay. So it's just dead easy right now. So it's slightly different. Um, the customers all like the sound of their own voice. They'll always pretend to engage with you, but actually don't. They do want to have 12 interviews firsts. Mm -hmm. They do want to see 30 CVs. <coughs> But the fees are double what you get in the UK. They pay you within two weeks and upon acceptance. There's no such thing as a rebate. 12 grand here, 35 grand there, why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot that you've mentioned there, a lot of really good stuff. For oh, Pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs> for, again, for these people who, what you're saying resonates, but they haven't necessarily gone through it themselves are you, would you recommend collaboration with people who have and gain that knowledge or to bring talent in to be able to run the agency effectively? It's very difficult because you're asking for my opinion, right? So I'm sounding like I'm massively opinionated of, of which I am. <laughs> but I will say I think that too many businesses have too many speed cameras in what they do. So they always expect to get... Um, a, a trainee recruiters become recruiters, become a senior recruiter, become a principal recruiter. At that point, they might be a billing manager. Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you what will happen at that point is they don't want the job mm -hmm. because they've just started earning real money. And now they're having to be as good as they are. So they're doing five-day or four-day weeks if the business leader has lost their head. Why are people doing four-day weeks in the boom? They should be sleeping in the office and going home for five minutes on the Sunday to make sure the kids are still there. That's it. Uh, when the market gets absolutely shit, spend as much time as you want at home because nothing ever happens. When the going gets good, don't go home. When the going gets bad, go home whenever you want. Doesn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. Random. Um, but I think it's wrong to expect people to go through that process when they just start earning money and then they have to do four days work in three because at least one day is going to be dedicated to other people's efforts and activities. Sure. Now, using sprints gives you time back, so that's a really clever way to do it rather than driving on KPIs, and that's, we're a massive adv advocate of that at the RDLC. Mm -hmm. However, it's a speed camera. Now, if I saw someone who, was, who had all of the telltale signs of being a, a future rock star, and this, this, this success breeds success breeds success with this, I would pluck them from the gutter and say, you could be absolutely brilliant. 
are given their own territory, their own opportunity to be a billing manager, mm-hmm. wouldn't pay them for it, they've got to prove they can do the job first. I'll give them two rookies, I set them a target in terms of NFI per the team, mm-hmm. and if they hit that, they go from their 20 grand basic to probably 37 and a half, two grand for everybody in their team, so now they've more than doubled their basic, mm-hmm. 2% of anything the team earns, 4% of anything they do over target, and every time they hit target, they get two more. So now it's an extra two grand each per person. Mm-hmm. Now it's a really great way to incentivize people as part of what they do, what they do is to be on a real fast track in terms of managing their business. It also means if anyone leaves, you've already started people on that growth to brilliance. I, as a billing manager, can manage six people. It's a magic number. Um, at, at that point, anything over that, you have to come off the tools. And it doesn't matter how good your tech is, you have to come off the tools to manage that business because you can go from six people to 10 people very quickly mm-hmm. and then separate both those businesses and take those fives to 10. And that's how you build critical scale and critical mass. The language they use is our language. The drivers, the activity, the processes are ours. And if you bring someone with experience into that, it's just like putting a, a stick in the spokes. It doesn't matter how fast you're going, you put that in, something's get, you're gonna have a car crash somewhere. Yeah. So don't do it. It's grow your own. And you, do you think that's because it's spoiling the flow of that kind of that internal magic, so to speak, or is it because the person coming in will have their own way of working, they'll yeah, spoil I, the culture? Yeah, the, yeah, I don't want anybody from the outside. I, I, yeah, okay. It's really powerful to say all of the best roles in our company are still haven't even gone. That we could be 30 people in and still the best roles haven't even been invented yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people will... Um, if that is your career path, if that is the driver for it, and I did a poll on um, LinkedIn to say, do people really want freedom, flexibility, yeah. versus just earn some money yeah. and, and work for a guy who's really motivated? 98% as I left today want motivation and money. Sure. Earn, learn, work for a decent leader. If that is your route and they, people see other people being successful mm. at it, on a fast track to getting the piece of the business, it is brilliant and nobody will say I don't really think management's for me yeah because I've just well you're going to turn around me doubling your salary mm-hmm. if you can do this mm-hmm. okay well that's a bold that's a very bold strategy but if they did we used to have a cupboard and we used to throw them in that cupboard <laughs> and throw them a steak once a month and they're not part of my future just earn some money okay so that's what you want T- turn up when you want go home when you want not part of anything good luck to you it also means that you can go really fast. So as S3, this is a kind of a personal story. Mm-hmm. We were 11 brands as we get, got towards an IPO. Mm-hmm. If each, and I was over 60% of group profit. If each one of those other 10 businesses launched one profit center each, for me to, to sustain my, my level playing field, become pari pursue in terms of income, I had to open 10. So this whole concept of taking away the speed cameras came out of necessity okay. because I'm too ambitious and too money motivated to, to give a shit. Yeah. So if somebody wasn't a manager for me within 18 months, they're dead to me. Get in the shed, get, get in the cupboard. Where? So everyone's going, okay, how do I get there? Okay. And I used to remind people that they're still allowed to work against if they want to. And do people? Yeah. They do. So, they, yeah. Yeah. so if that's one of the routes to being a winner, you mentioned before there's winners and losers. 
where the what's happening not to make a loser but why are people resulting in not being successful not growing not doing what they want perhaps losing their job what wh where's it going wrong that there there are there's an element of of managers who are just not thinking really strategically about growing a business and still stuck in this whole fiefdom piece where it's about making money. Genuinely, I think that if they had someone that they were accountable to, they, they perform better. Mm -hmm. And most people, when push comes to shove, they could do what they do in five days in four. And then they could have one day to work on the business rather than be caught up in it. So people will always get distracted by a money-making opportunity when a client calls them they won't follow best practice, so they won't push back and ask for, you know, the, the question that everybody should always ask, always, 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 always ask, when someone's gonna give you a vacancy, the first question, just before I take a full spec on this, how many people like this do you think you're gonna need? So based on mm. churn, pipeline, your whip, expectations, seasonality, and that horrible word of churn, how many people like this are you likely to need over the course of rolling 12 months? Because we both know it's not one. And whatever they say after that, you sell the product and the solution, right? They yeah. don't do that because it's, it's their mate Dave who calls them frequently. Yeah. They've only got a few businesses. So, so they aren't doing BD calls themselves. They're only speaking to the same old customers. If they are doing BD, it's pretty poor because actually they're, they're kind of distracted by it. They want their recruiters to do BD, but no one's teaching them, showing them how. Mm -hmm. They're taking trainees on without training them. And then they basically just try to hire their, their way through this. So to pay for these people, so recruitment is a really simple task. You've got your cost per desk, and that's all in, all in, all in, all in cost, including what you take out as the boss's regular draw. And then you've got your net fee income, that's everything into the business. And you divide both numbers by fee earners. So people who, are, who sit and own a target. So if your cost per desk is 10 and your average is um, 15, you're making five grand per person per month. So five times 12, 60 grand per person. Get 10, you're making 600 grand. Get 100, you're making six mil. Mm -hmm. There you go, it's recruitment sorted. Mm -hmm. But they, they need to focus on their cost per desk, what they're getting from them, and how they can get them to the power of 10. So decent recruiter, with 10 people, they will, they will all be at least 50, 60, 70% as good as they are because they're puppet mastery. They're telling them what to do next. They're showing them the route to making money. And eventually someone will say, Goff, get out of my way, I can do this. I got this, gee, I got this, back off. The mm -hmm. penny's dropped. Consistently, consistently, people are doing a deal and a half. So that's 10 people doing a deal and a half. They're all making, the guy's making money now, whereas, Managers who aren't great at delegating, taking on the right people, coaching them, and finding the time to do the job as a manager and a leader is the manager divided by 10. So their time is being cut and cut and cut and cut. Then they'll actually generate in revenue. Yeah. So they need to find a way by which they can take some time away to build out systems and processes. And this is where tech comes in. When I started at S3, we changed our CRM. But so my first five years as the head of contracts, I changed my CRM three times in five years. Because I was looking for competitive advantage, unfair advantage. What was out there? I looked at absolutely everything. 
And I thought, actually, that will help me more. And what I didn't do was follow where everybody else went. I looked at the pieces of kit that would help me in my business at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. So just not being waned by everyone just waving about Bond mm -hmm. or that there's a, a new whizzy gadget on Bullhorn. If it wouldn't help me make more money and it wasn't worth going through the pain of changing, then I wouldn't do it. But if I could find something that was different, it might have been slightly left field. And as long as it was still mainstream enough to actually have the apps work and people were bothered about building an integration for it, then I was all over like you a rash. But like you're saying, you need the space to think about what you need and the strategy around it rather than working five days solid doing BD. You need it, like you say, four days. Do you think you're cramming it all in? Five, the, the fifth day, work on strategy. But it's, it's quite funny as well. If, if someone is actually committed, well, these people are also shit scared of their own staff, so they have no consequences in place, and they end up sucking up poor behaviours and getting getting lost in the fact that people aren't performing, sucking up, sucking out, and exploding and sucking everyone. Right. Brilliant. Well done. Yeah. No value there. All you've done is burnt cash. It was so you're saying that the book stops essentially, or more often, more often than not, with the manager or the head of the fiefdom. So the the. The head of the fiefdom, oh, it's always his, he owns everything. Of course. I mean, what people don't realize is the boss of bosses, then kudos, this is the guy who's taken the risk and exposure. He should earn the most money. Yeah. Truth is, they generally don't for a very long time. They're the last one to get paid. They're still thinking about running payroll and issues on Christmas Day. Mm. It, it's, it's living in a very highly stressed environment. Mm -hmm. When four-day week came in, I think a lot of businesses adopted four-day week because the boss of bosses was a bit knackered and kind of fancied it himself. Yeah. Truth is, there shouldn't be a four-day week in the middle of a boom. And even if their business is working a four-day week, they shouldn't be. I'm eight years into a startup with the RDLC and I work seven days a week. Mm -hmm. I haven't finished startup phase yet. Yeah. So until, and I think, no, I work pretty hard. I'm I'm addicted to it, but once I earn my money, then we build build around it and make sure then the business is, is, can, can grow without me and do it without me. Then it's got shareholder value. You've mentioned tech, so three CRMs in five years at S3. What do you think the trends are for tech in this space in the next twelve to eighteen months? It's, it, obviously, it's the most exciting time for tech into services and, and tech specifically into recruitment. And if people aren't thinking, time to change, time to look on, time to do something different, they're being, they're being mental. Um, so tech is there to help people do more deals, is to uh, reduce time to do deals, to give people the ability to, to get more data in so they can be more efficient. Tech isn't there to make the life of a recruiter easier. It's an investment to help them do more business. Mm -hmm. So if by a 20 grand investment a month on something means that you're 10 people who do, all do one extra deal mm -hmm. and your deal value is 10 grand, 100 grand versus 10 grand, they're 20 grand outlay. It's just good economics. Mm -hmm. So that's how people should be thinking about this. And make sure you look at the ROI and the activity of everything that you plug in. There is a danger at the moment in terms of tech that there's always something whizzy and new coming on. 
coming along. So I would always urge people to get the shortest contracts they possibly can. Yeah. Because once you're committed, you're kind of committed. But once you're using something, you have to explain to the recruiters what you've spent, how it works, and make them part of the fix here. Because it doesn't matter how good the tech is, if people don't use it properly, it's shit. Uh, and it's a very expensive paperweight. So you just you need to make sure that people use everything to the nth degree. And people do what you inspect, not expect. So check them, check them, check them, check them, check them. And if people aren't using something properly, you take it away. Also, I also really like zero-sum things. So if, I, if we really believe in something, I create a steering group of, of everyone, see if they like the product, get them bought into it, and then ask them how they can take it away from their cost per desk. So that's going to cost an extra 600 quid a month. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to spend it. I'll put the commitment, find me 600 quid that you don't need elsewhere. Take it off the job boards, take it off here. That's always really quite interesting. You get okay. everyone say, well, we don't need that shit. But it's the only way I could get them to tell me it's shit. It doesn't help by having something as, a, as the carrot to make that decision. Yeah. So it's actually cost us nothing to do these things. So, yeah. you, so the, the journey of a recruitment business leader is great salesperson, trainee manager, agony aren't accountant and the quicker you could become an accountant the better your business will be mm. so so once we understand that tech is there to to generate more business and we do business by selling on the phone everything comes to that central point and then you build efficiencies with with all the automations so going forward well i mean it's a never-ended list now automation front middle and back so not just front in terms of marketing, it's how you run your operation, how you create your MI, how your data is, is delivered to you in real time, how you run your payrolls, D do you need people if you can use tech? Nice thing about tech is it works weekends and it, it doesn't, generally it doesn't make mistakes. It can go wrong, but it generally doesn't make mistakes. So you can take out layers of compliance and checking. Also it can, what I think is about to happen is that the tech is start to become predictive. If you've done this, it prompts the next activity. It prompts the next activity. I think the, the biggest um, thing that everyone is, is raving about now is, is chat AI, uh, chat, um, chat GPT, and how AI is gonna be plugged in. I think if there's any tech out there, I, would, I am urging all of the CEOs that I work with to go to all of their service providers to ask them how AI is being implemented and what product they're using. So if they use it, should, should they not be using chat GPT? So if you've got a parsing tool, mm -hmm. well, surely chat GPT can do that and probably faster, better, and actually come up with some predictive stuff for you to actually prompt who that goes to next and then do your searching for you. So why don't we just use all this stuff? So what used to be a 360 recruiter is that the days of that are very, very numbered. Okay. So go through the migration, I'd add on some tech and business process and <coughs> BD, sales and submission people, remote resourcing, using all the tech. Mm -hmm. You'll get better than deal and a half, which everyone gets. You should be talking about three and a half, four and a half deals ahead. But using the right tech with the AI is, is humongously important right now. Um, people are using ChatGPT very poorly already. That didn't take long. So they're doing, they create me a yeah, blog about, all, yeah. and it all goes, yeah. I, it's so obvious to see, and yeah. it's Yawnsville. 
but you can actually say um, this URL on LinkedIn, write the perfect BD uh, intro email to this person from this company in no more than 60 words. That's quite fun. So if people say it's quite hard writing emails, no, it's not. <laughs> buttons, right? So we're taking, and all you're getting back is time and time and time and time and time so people can be more productive. So I think that's humongously important. I do think that all of this stuff needs to be joined together. So everything needs to work. And I'm really hoping that, that the next iterations of, of CRM is going to have all this just built in. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have, I mean, there is a benefit of having an organization that just does one thing because that one thing they will do absolutely brilliantly and that's where all their investment capital goes into making that the best version of it. There is something to be argued about having a one-stop shop for all of this stuff where it just all plugs together. So I think that's something we've been talking about, yeah. creating the most, the best bespoke solution for organizations who look like this, yeah. who are in this market, who trade here, yeah. and they operate like this, taking all the tools and the joy of Salesforce to plug them together and make sure that all of those tools that they're using are looking at next gen, so that actually there's a bit of longevity to that relationship and you don't have to change again. Yeah, I agree. I think with, with what, what we're seeing at Target Recruit, there's been so much change over the last few years from we talk about best of breed, or we talk about one platform which does everything. And more often than not, when you speak, you speak with people, they don't always know what it is that they need, and they do need that guidance. So I know that we've been talking about doing that one best fit for what the business needs. Where do you see people coming into using tech? Like, yeah, I like, I like the the approach that you've got, where you sit down with a user group and you say okay what text work and what's not pull out what's just not what, what's not being used because there's not many businesses take that approach they don't actually speak always to the users they speak with the the heads of or the operations which they need to as well but they don't always speak to the users so i like that but where does that per where does that personal individual come into using tech rather than just relying on tech so, so um, recruitment is a people-based business, sure. and long may that be the case. Yeah. But I'm a humongous advocate of, of tech. All I want is, I've, I've got Dave, I've employed Dave, I've got a duty of care to Dave, and I, I will know, because I always used to ask, if you get a promotion or earn the biggest paycheck you've ever had, who will you phone first and what are you going to say to them? And that person I want to make a promise to that I'm going to make Dave the best he can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And I used to phone up people, mm -hmm. especially if Dave's doing shit and say, I think I care more <laughs> about his career than he does. <laughs> don't, don't feed him this weekend. So we, we used to do stuff like that. That person I need to make sure, one, that he's absolutely giving it the beans and working as hard as he can. But my part of the equation is to give him the best possible toolkit. Sure. Now, if, they, if you give them tools and they don't use them, then the only person I can blame is them. And I, I would be very aggressive about it. Yeah. Now, we've, we've made that investment. Yeah. I don't want people just choosing the independent state of Dave. Oh, yeah, he doesn't do that. Well, he doesn't work it. Hmm. Right, as simple as you don't get your Friday off. You don't come to lunch clubs. Right? I take things away until such times he changes behavior. They should be governed. So all of these, all of the intricate... It's a brilliant question because in terms of resourcing, 
there's a suite of products that our resourcing teams use, be it that they're in the UK or they're based overseas, there's a suite of products that they should be using to find more people. So how do they scrape the market, how to scrape their internal data, how many times should we be touching all of that data that we've paid for? Mm -hmm. So people are sitting there with tens of thousands of candidates on the CRM that they don't bother to talk to. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great use of money. Mm. And by the time they do think, oh, we should go do something about it, they've all moved on. Yeah, it's too late. And how many people, so if you lose 10, you've got 10,000 people and 10% of move jobs, that's 1,000 placements at 20 grand a pop. Well, literally, I can't, because I upset myself. <laughs> but, but, that stuff, but all you had to do was engage with them and talk to them about what would prompt you for the next move, what would prompt you to move again. And that's the start of, a, of an in a process with that candidate to try and find them the perfect job. So that's a tool, that's a process, because you only need, there's gonna be bounce back, so the data's gonna clean itself. There's gonna be people who are, who respond to something and that triggers what you send to them next, and you can do that through automation. Mm -hmm. So every part of the job, every part of the process and the function, there are key drivers that we need to know problem is too many people are still doing what they used to do in 1980s and I'm proud to say some of the stuff that they do we invented mm -hmm. I invented it when I had hair right the world was a different place back that steam power computing I had a car box and half of the things that people are saying and using today we did first 100% we did first we, we reinvented the way contract was done that being the case why are we now trying to build a process that delivers that back as opposed to what the future is, what the current method is? Mm -hmm. So each part of the, of the, you don't buy one size fits all, that's your CRM, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. It's everything should work in for the right people. Yeah, we, we see a lot of people who are, when they come to buy and implement, they know what they want, they believe in the tech, but they fall in, back into old habits. So like you're saying, Dave does his own process in isolation, he stops using the CRM, he stops using the automation, he opens his Excel spreadsheet and the wheels start coming off. And But the business isn't always brave enough to say, Dave, you need to stop doing that, even if he is the biggest fee earner. You need to get back on the CRM. But like what you're saying, there has to be consequences if somebody isn't invested in what you've invested in. But there's, there's education throughout all of this. Of course. We had business analysts at S3. So you know, um, we had data analysts, we had business analysts, and we looked, that's why I'm pretty, no, I'm stato. I'm, I'm data-tastic. Because when you get to, you know, once you, it's really hard to get to 100, but the second 100 is quite easy in terms of staff. Yeah. And then it becomes industrialized process. Once you understand all your data, your numbers, you can actually make change. You need enough of it to happen that people then will just want to follow that. I'm not gonna say it's lemons, I think it's, it's like heroes. That if you see David Beckham practicing penalties and free kicks all the time, and you want to be more like David Beckham, you'll do what he does, so monkey see, monkey do. Mm -hmm. You just need your, your top people to buy into that process. So be it that you use uh, emotional piggy banking, so I'd, you know, I'd always be looking after the guys who do the best, get treated the best. It's totally unfair. But if you make me more money, if you are part of the gang, if you are, you're gonna get treated like nobody else. And if you're a bit shit, don't expect to come to the pub with me. Yeah. Because that's how you build a culture where it's cool to be good. Because then you get treated, treated well. That person, that top biller, oh, I'm gonna, by any means necessary, I'm gonna get him to do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn him.
Yeah. I'm going to word him and I'm going to beg him and I'm going to bribe him to do this because even if he doesn't really do it or believe in it, if everyone sees him doing it, everyone will follow suit. But it's important to have people who understand the data, who can explain it in a way that if you really understand something, you can make it idiot proof mm -hmm. for people to understand. Mm -hmm. So you need that person who isn't just a geek, mm -hmm. someone who can actually explain themselves to, to them. And you also need a techie who's walking around talking about systems usage, best practice, how it works, why can't you do that? Okay, this is, and they need it's to be- It's a constant education. It's a constant education and also making sure it's all working and looking at business efficiencies. Then you might be using 10% of something. So you're saying that the decisions need to be data-led, like what you very succinctly explained about why would you start in the UK when the US is a much more of a, a ripe market and you can earn more money? Yeah. Because the data's there? Yeah. Okay. Are you seeing many agencies operating like that? So, uh, Who rely on the data and what the data is telling them about how their business is doing well and not so well? 100% of the most successful ones do. They do. So the clues are there. Yeah. And the businesses who, who struck, when, when COVID hit, we lost about 30 members from our DLC and we never lose members. It just doesn't happen, right? It's, it's oodles and oodles of value. And it was all fiefdoms, one-man bands and businesses who were struggling because their regular clients basically shut up shop mm. and they hadn't got any tools by which to actually find new customers. I, I find it really interesting. So. You might know an answer to this one because I still can't get my head around it. It really frustrates me that recruitment business leaders have all of this data that they've, they've paid for of clients who are all going to be hiring, right? Because they just do. They're not speaking to them regularly enough. Now, I was trying to think, how many times should you be contacting those people? So, or how many times should you spec them? Or mm. how many times, what, what would you do? And people come up with a definitive number. And I think, you're mental. So all of those businesses are always, they will be hiring this year. So every client that everyone's got on their CRM will hire this year, 100%. Why aren't we trying to speak to them every week? Why aren't you trying to speak to them twice a week? And then people say reputational damage. They only work with 0.05% of all of those clients on their CRM. They work with such a, Nobody knows who you are, right? So, so reputational damage. Mm. No one gives a shit. Mm. If, they were, if they thought you had such a great reputation, they'd all be calling you, <laughs> and they're not. So why aren't, you, why aren't you doing more to actually spread the word? So if you, if you agree with that argument, why don't you turn it out to full? What's the worst that's going to happen? You lose half your database. Well, they're the ones who aren't going to work with you. Yeah, yeah. So now you can focus more time yeah. on the ones that do. And as long as you've got a slow trickle, trickle charge, you know you've got your Ferrari in the garage and you keep it on charge just in case for that one day of the year, Dean, um, is always charged and ready to go. So That was really random, but I love the fact I had a little dig at Dean. <laughs> yeah. Peace and love, Dean. You mentioned the RDLC a few times. How are you, how are you helping? And, you know, we've been part of your lunches and the the networking groups where there's a lot of great content shared in what I've always felt is a safe environment. People can say what the, the, the need to and a lot of great opinions and, and thoughts are shared in the room. But what, how, are you, how are you helping agencies as part of the RDLC? Did you use the A word? Modern day tent solutions providers. 
I'll work on that. Yeah, I'll, that'll, I'll I did make a note of this. Yeah, it doesn't. Fit I'll on, use it. It doesn't fit on a pen. I've got to come up with something more jazzier than that as well. Need an acronym. Yeah, we do. Um, and thank you for being part of our journey. I think I think it's um, it's a really unusual community. I mean, you were there at the awards. People actually generally like each other and generally cheerlead for each other mm -hmm. and celebrate with each other, and it's a hug fest. Mm -hmm. And these are people who are nose to nose, toe to toe competitors. Mm -hmm. We work really hard together. We understand each other, and it's different by the networks because it is a peer-to-peer -peer group. So quite a lot of the learning comes from other people rather than us projecting our opinions. So we learn together, we share together, and there's a whole philosophy that if you give away one idea and you share something that's brilliant or you answer one person's issue, then you've got 300 other people who are giving you great ideas and great input. So occasionally we do this, 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 this something that we're giving away actually in Feb, but um, everybody had to come up with one brilliant idea that was new, creative and different. So in return, everyone got 300 back. Best thing we've ever done. Um, but I think that the it's, it's lonely at the top of a recruitment business and your, your mates outside the sector don't really understand what's going on. Mm. You, your wife thinks you're a dick because you've got a new phone. And your mates actually just think, you know, just, you know the, the green-eyed monster appears. But when you're in an environment of people who really know what you're going through and how hard it can be, and yeah. the, you know, the fact that the stress comes from either end, we're the only people selling a product that can get up and be sick on their desk or, or not show um, or punch out their boss. It's quite an awkward product sell. So with, with, with that in mind, we created an environment where you want to share, you can share, and we have loads of fun because happy people make money. So if you're in a good mind space, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but what we actually do is pretty serious. So um, creative, innovative ideas, nonstop. I mean, it's, it's, you've seen me on LinkedIn. Mm. Imagine that times 10 mm. on our groups. So mm. there's loads more that are going on. It's this, that's the tip of the iceberg. There's um, the WhatsApp group. So everyone is, is 24 seven engagement and I'm getting circa 300 messages a day Nobody else is, but you choose the group that you want. But the idea is that your head of finance or your, um, your HR people can communicate with their peers in marketplace to solve problems before you have to go to your CEO or your C-suite or your directors. So the idea is they, they fix their own problems and, and seek approval rather than say help. You fall back in love with your business 100% because we make it more fun and we take away, alleviate some of the, the, the dramas of running the business. You, you fall back in love with the best, sexiest, most meritocratic, brilliant, 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 brilliant sector that has ever been. So if you're good enough, you're good enough. If there no speed cameras in recruitment, mm. brilliant, brilliant place to be. And we do, we've got every document, document that you might need for whatever stage you are. There's a whole shift right philosophy. So from startup to lifestyle to growth to exit. So there's something for everybody. There's always someone who's doing or just been through the same issues you've got. So be it that you need a, a set of terms or a, a German phone number in Germany because they've just changed the legislation on that. So from here, you can't have a German number anymore regardless of your supplier. So, so that hit, okay. but Germans don't, won't pick up blind numbers and they won't pick up UK numbers. So how do you fix that? Well, we worked it out, we got a fix and everyone knew overnight, so nobody else needed to do the searching for it. So things like that, it's so from strategic to tactical to operational, it's kind of cool. And the cherry on the cake is that, as you guys know, um, we, we make people 
sharpen pencils on deals. Mm. So there's 7,000 odd recruiters across the group. We are uh, touching 3 billion in revenues. As a single entity, if we were one business, yeah. uh, we'd, we'd be the biggest by a mile. Yeah. Um, and we're all growing. So yeah. the, you know, BAU, boom as usual. There's just a real, there's a, an air of like confidence and ambition and anything's possible when everyone gets together in that room and starts discussing and sharing ideas. Yeah, you, that's, that's what struck me. And the sharing is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. So people, you know, the people will just share everything. So it's, uh, Chatham House is a very, I'm glad you noticed that, it is very safe. Recruitment is absolutely riddled with decades, mm. but we've done a great job. Mm. There's only one in the RDLC because we make sure the others leave, but without me, it wouldn't work. So my ego is too big. Uh, there's, so people just have to climb over it to get into the room and, and then I protect them. So yeah, I'm sorry about that, but I did pretty well. Yeah, good. So that's for the members and how great it is. Your supplier side, and choosing the right supplier for your members and making sure it gets right. How do you go about that? So every morning you wake up and there's a gift in your, uh, in your LinkedIn talking about a brand new product service solution. Yeah. And Dean and I do a very noble job because we see them all. Uh, and our members throw businesses that they like over the fence to us, okay. the virtual fence to us all the time. Sure. We spend more time talking with potential suppliers for the RDLC than we do anything else. So it's all about what's good, what's fast. Um, it, no, for, for transparency, there's, there's a, there is a commercial arrangement with this, but absolutely in the grand scheme of things, it's properly nominal just to pay for Ali's time effectively, mm. who, who manages the process. Mm. So we don't do it for cash. We think it's a massive value add to all of our members that we do the tire kick in so they don't have to. It, that every business is slightly different and how they plug and play is slightly different. So we always want one, max, maximum three suppliers in any one arena. Yeah, okay. So we look for people who could add value to a certain area. We're, we're brilliantly honest about where we think the opportunity and the scope is, where we think they'd fit, and we make the introductions. So I think from a supplier's perspective, they're, they're quite willing to jump through hoops, even if we set them on fire. Mm and get the right mm -hmm. price for our members to then work out who, and we will then make the introductions on, on their behalf. So we do work quite, a, quite hard to actually make that relationship work. But I think we're really, really honest about it as well. So um, everyone gets all of the data and all the knowledge. So specifically with, with you guys, one sat on Salesforce. Well, one, you can't ignore it, right? It's, it's, it's humongously powerful. The, the downside for that is all of the apps, all of the marketplace, all of the things you can plug and play, it can do everything. That's too much. It's, 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 it can be daunting. It's, it's massively daunting. And I think what we've done brilliantly is just try to bring that back to, if this is your challenge, look at these. If mm -hmm. this is a challenge for you, look at these and bring it together. It's almost like taming the beast. Mm -hmm. And nobody offered that, us that as a solution in this space. Plus the fact is we only work with, with good humans. So if we can work with, with good people, it, it's enough help and speak to the people that really matter in the business. So, um, yeah, so sometimes we really struggle with the American service providers because 
like me, they love themselves. So that 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 can be quite difficult. But when we can, we find somebody who works um, our way and kind of gets it. Yeah, I think the relationship works works brilliantly, and we're big advocates. I think at the moment as well is your time is absolutely on point because if people aren't consistently looking at CRM and the bolt-on parts, then they are mental. So it's you've got to be on the on the leading edge because I know if I was running a recruitment business right now and I'm going to the 180 model mm. and I need different functions for front, middle, and back, mm. and I need the operational stuff that's from my remote team and I only want them to have access to this, a plug-and-play bolt-on solution that Salesforce offers is absolutely mint and perfect. Yeah. So I think I walk on water to choose you guys. I'll take that. Yeah. All day long. Just call, myself, just call myself Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is, what is Jesus and Callum Best got in, got in common? Don't know. They're both only famous because of their dads. <laughs> so, Gary, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. I think there's been some really good talking points, a lot of very practical advice about what people can take away to make themselves and their own businesses better. I look forward to working with you in the future with the RDLC and hopefully supporting your members going forward with making their, their tech top of the yeah. pops. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. We did that quite quickly. I'm very much one take. Um, me casa su casa when it work when it comes to working with target recruit hopefully bigger better greater things than everyone looks at the product because it is smashing um yeah hopefully somebody got one or two things from that because that's all we aim for and um rdlc um hearts recruitment thanks gary cheers